Welcome to the PT How podcast. Our purpose here is to cultivate the advancement and community of the physical therapy profession by furthering the knowledge of students, building a network among physical therapists, and getting the key highlights of A-State's physical therapy program, all through simple conversations. Hey guys, welcome back to the PT How podcast. Today we have another professor spotlight. Today it's Dr. Susan Motz. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I've, I've obviously already said your name. Now why just to get right into the nitty gritty, why did you choose physical therapy? I was in school and I was a pre-med major and I was working at the hospital as a unit secretary mm -hmm. and I was recruited to be a PT tech and I really wasn't interested because I really liked my job as a unit secretary and they told me all the great stuff about physical therapy and I was like, whatever, whatever. And then they told me that it paid a dollar more an hour. And when you're making seven bucks an hour, eight really sounds good. And so um, I agreed to shadow the director of the department for a day and I changed my major at the you end did. of the day. It was wow. just like, wow. this is exactly what I want to do. It, and I got to shadow both inpatient and outpatient that day. And it was just automatic. It, wow. This is it. This is absolutely wow, what I want to cool. do. Yeah. So, so you switched cool from pre-med to pre-physical therapy, okay. but gotcha. just to date myself, um, I was in the last class to get a bachelor's degree in physical therapy. Watch. So I did, cool. because I changed majors, it took me three years to get all the prereqs done. And so then I had the two years of physical therapy school. Gotcha. And then I was out. And, uh, and you were out. I was out. I was going. I said, see ya. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit, because we know you're not from Arkansas, but not mm -hmm. everybody listening to us. Can you tell us a little bit where you're from and how you ended up, I guess, all the way back to it's been a, It's been a journey. So I let's just say I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and we moved five times, and then I started kindergarten. Oh. So wow. I've been around. Yeah. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so, but I ended up in Louisville, Kentucky um, to start kindergarten and basically have been in Kentucky the rest of my schooling. And then um, graduated from the University of Kentucky and started working in Louisville as a PT. But because I was the last bachelor's class, I always knew I wanted to go back and get a master's degree. So I moved to Dallas, Texas to get my post-professional master's degree at Texas Women's University. Okay. So I lived there for about three years and then moved back to Kentucky, but jobs were really scarce at that time. And so the closest I could get to my family was Bowling Green, Kentucky. So I lived there for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then my um, sister-in-law in Southern Ohio was having some health issues. And so I moved to Southern Ohio to be closer to my brother and sister-in-law. Um, and then the research bug had just really taken hold of me from my master's experience. So. I just started, I decided to get a PhD. So I started my PhD at the University of Louisville. And then um, my professor was recruited to a little medical school in Northeastern Ohio. And so I moved back to Northern Ohio and did my PhD at a little medical school called Neomed, Northeast Ohio Medical University. And then I interviewed, um, this was the fourth, place I interviewed and it just had the combination of teaching the students that I wanted to teach physical therapy not medical students not pharmacy students um, 
the courses that I wanted to teach, which neuro, um, and they had a research lab over in the Arkansas Bioscience Institute where the other schools were like, yeah, we think we can help you do your basic science research. So I'm sure biology will let you borrow a microscope, but I'm like, no, that's not how it works. No. Where here they had a research lab that was opening up because a professor was retiring. This professor happens to be cited in every chapter of my dissertation. And so he had all the equipment that I needed and they were like, okay, yeah, you can just inherit his lab and have all the stuff. And I'm like, well, that's a huge savings in money. And yeah. so um, I'm like, okay, here we go, Arkansas. Kind of worked out perfect. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. I know you you kind of already mentioned, so that's, that's exactly why you chose Arkansas State, mm -hmm. um, but why specifically even more to expound upon, why did you choose to become a professor? Why not stay in the clinical field, really just getting hands-on yeah. with patients? Not that you don't already, but. So uh, a couple of reasons, probably the biggest reason is um, the research. And so I really enjoy the research and that's really hard to do in the clinic. The clinic is so busy. It's really hard to sketch out time for research, even though when I was in the clinic, I had all kinds of research questions, you know, that you have productivity requirements and stuff. And it's just really hard to get support to do research in the clinical setting. So um, that was part of why I came. But then I also really enjoy the teaching. I enjoy the students and, you know, working with the next generation. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell us a little bit about like what your research, like you said, you got the research bug during your master's program at Texas Women's. What kind of research uh, was going on there and then what you kind of did at Louisville when you got your doctorate and then like what it is evolved to now here at A-State as a professor? So it's evolved a lot. Um, so when I was in Dallas, I was really doing a lot of wound care. My practice was probably 80 to 90% wound care. Um, I was working at a facility that had a wound care clinic before wound care clinics were a common thing. And I worked closely with a doctor there named Charles Baxter. And um, so I wanted to do something that had to do with wound care. But when you're doing research for a thesis or a dissertation, you don't want to pick a topic where you're sitting around waiting for wounds to heal right? Because I wanted to graduate at some yeah. point. And so I took um, newly diagnosed diabetics. And I, my question was, when a person is diagnosed, do they have normal sensation or do they not? And so I measured um, sensation in newly diagnosed diabetics. And then I had a control group that were age and gender matched. So if I had a 50-year-old man, I would get a control that was a 48 to 52-year-old man. And so I measured um, foot sensation in a, a group of patients. And what I found is while they do have protective sensation, which is what a lot of people focus on, they didn't have normal sensation compared to the control group. So they'd already started to lose sensation yeah. by the time they were diagnosed. So that's what I did for my master's. And then when I started on my PhD, I was actually in an auditory neuroscience lab, which is a little strange, but I was very interested in the techniques that that professor was using. Um, and so we were actually doing brain surgery on guinea pigs and looking at connections in the brain. That's and why. so, yeah, it, it yeah. was. 
Um, and so I was looking at trying to find the source of cholinergic inputs to the inferior colliculus. So the inferior colliculus is a nucleus in the brain and it has more receptors for acetylcholine than any other part of the brain, but there are no cells in the inferior colliculus that make acetylcholine. So those inputs are coming from somewhere else. And so that had not been described in the literature. And so I found that source. And so it's two uh, very complicated names of nuclei, the pedunculopontine tegmental nucleus and the lateral dorsal tegmental nucleus are the sources of input for acetylcholine into the inferior colliculus. So wow. that's what I did. All right, very cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I moved here and um, I started to try to replicate those experiments in rats. And we did some of that and we did replicate some of that, um, but the rat studies were just not moving along very well. So now, you guys know that I've switched over to a human subjects mm -hmm. um, project where we're looking at the therapeutic effects of light. Um, in right now, we're looking at restless leg syndrome. I also have a publication out on um, improving diabetic neuropathy using different wavelengths of light. And so we're kind of chasing the light research at this point. Yeah. So. Okay, that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. So. That's one of the cool things about physical therapy is you, I mean, even looking back at what I thought I was going to be as a clinician, I was a huge sports nut. I still am. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to be, you know, doing sports rehab and yeah. outpatient orthopedics all the way. Mm -hmm. And that's totally I, not. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, my first job, I was really lucky because we rotated every two months and we had acute care, we had a skilled nursing facility, and we had a really big outpatient clinic. So every two months, I was rotating between all of those. And so I got a good, broad experience and really figured out that I really like acute care, which I never dreamed would be my area, but it, I, it's what I love. And um, I really like neuro. I, I like working, especially with stroke patients, but also head injuries and Parkinson's disease and all those different kinds of neuro diseases that we talk about. So, yeah. Absolutely, that we talk about, which alludes to what classes do you teach for possible prospective students listening? So currently I am teaching Neuromuscular One, which is basically learning about motor control and motor learning. And then I teach NM3, which is um, upper motor neuron disorders, which would include stroke, head injury, Parkinson's disease, things like that. And then I teach an M4, which is um, lower motor neuron diseases. So a big chunk of that is spinal cord injury, but we also talk about other lower motor neuron pathologies as well. Um, and then I also teach um, the integumentary half of the physical agents and integ course. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I do the wound care and I do the neuro. Yeah. Completely opposite of what I thought I'd and be doing. Branching off, I think you mentioned this. Yeah, it hasn't been mentioned a lot, but you know sign language. Aren't no. You? No, no. I, okay. So I took a couple of sign language classes when I first graduated. Gotcha. But I haven't used it at all. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I just remember that mention. I, I was like, I'm going to ask you. I can say yeah. my name is Susan, but yep. that's about that's it. Perfect. Hey, that's yeah. better than me. You want coffee? 
<laughs> some of the, the people in our cohort below they started learning different style language that's what i was there test we were the test weeks and y'all are all signing yeah. to each other i, was, I don't know what's going on so when i lived in louisville there there um the deaf community tends to cluster which mm -hmm. is very understandable and it turns out that louisville has a very high percentage of um deaf people i know mm -hmm. baton rouge is another place that has a lot and um there's some place out west i think it's seattle has a lot of people who are deaf um and so deaf culture is really visible mm -hmm. in louisville so um i had a lot of deaf patients and so i wanted to learn yeah. to be able to communicate with them yeah. and the thing that was really cool is they were very supportive you know because i was struggling mm -hmm. yeah. but they would encourage me and teach me different things and so cool. i took the i took three sign language classes um through the deaf community center in louisville um but there's a lot of really cool stuff there like um in the summers we have a really nice uh central park in louisville and there's a program that happens all summer long called shakespeare in the park and they do several shakespeare plays throughout the summer and then at the end they do like all three plays as a marathon and so you can get a t-shirt for lasting through three Shakespeare plays. But the weekend before that, they have, it's it's a sign day. And so each actor has another actor that's dressed just the same. And whatever that actor says, then the signer would sign. And so, you know, the deaf community can enjoy the plays as well. So there's a lot of stuff like that out there that, um, because there is such a, so I think that's there. Yeah. You, you have, I don't know, just a lot of like focus on specific specialized populations, whether mm -hmm. it be the deaf community or as your research has already like, I guess, shown for like the diabetic community mm -hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was, it's always piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have some wacky questions. Yeah, okay. it off. I can do it. Yeah, it's some fun. So the first one, our man Bradley came up with, if you were an ice cream flavor, which one would you be and why? Which ice cream flavor? I think I would be butter pecan. Butter pecan? Butter pecan. Not okay. standard. You don't really hear that one a lot. Sounds like yep. it's unique. A solid and a little bit nutty. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. That's Perfect. a good answer. That's fun. That's super fun. All right. We also have one from another student, okay. which was geared towards you. Oh boy. And I was like, this is Perfect. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got the Kentucky Derby. If you had a horse in the Derby, what would you name your horse? That's a hard one. Oh yeah. yeah. I know, it's and it's anywhere. on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> and it's on the spot. Yep. But I will tell you, I will be cheering for Pat Day, and I will be cheering for the trainer Bill Mott, even though we are not related. <laughs> close enough that we always cheer Just for him. One letter off. Just yeah. one letter off. But That's what funny. would my horse's name be? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, That's a hard one. Spots, it is. I know. I couldn't do it. Uh, I. If you need some time, we can go on to the next question. Come back to this. Let's one. come back to that one. All right, perfect. Yeah, I know it. So then, another question is: What's your favorite outdoor activity? Uh, hiking. Hiking. With kayaking being a close second. Oh, why hiking more than kayaking? 
because you don't have to lug a kayak around. Yeah, hey, that's true. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That means we're going back to the horse question. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. What would I name him? Yeah. Gosh, you all, this is too much. I know. Um, What's a good name for a horse? I don't know. Whenever, That's a good I would question. say whenever we're at hippo therapy, they got some funny names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of my best friend who's had several horses since I've known her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite name that she's done is Atticus. Atticus. So let's make the race horse because this was a horse that came off the track. Yep. Um, Atticus runs. Atticus Atticus, runs. That's, a good name. that's yeah. it. Yep. There you go. That's the betting horse right there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that ends that ends it here. Any closing remarks for us? No, yeah. just really enjoy being here and mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. being with you guys. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Doctor. Appreciate Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all yeah. tune in next week to catch the next next week should be Dr. Sutherland. Oh yeah. yeah. Tune in. Yeah. Tune <laughs> in. I'll see y'all next time. Thank you for listening to the PT Howl podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook at Arkansas State University, Department of Physical Therapy, and Instagram at A State Physical Therapy. Catch our next episode on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at PT Howl Podcast.